Welcome to another episode of the Awareness Advantage Podcast, where leaders who are good at getting stuff done become great leaders to influence and inspire people. I'm your U.S. co-host and best-selling author, Kevin McCarthy, joined by my good friend, Canadian business partner, and best-selling author, Licky Labji. If you have not yet done so, click subscribe so you never miss an episode. And now, the Awareness Advantage Podcast. But we're here to talk about how to make better decisions and how to build better relationships by becoming more self-aware and more emotionally intelligent by mitigating our blind spots. What do you feel and what does it look like or feel like to you when you, are, when you felt seen? When you feel like somebody really understands you? How does that work for you? I think one of the things you have to do is each person is different. So how do you recognize that? Is it a, hey, thank you for doing this. You did a great job. Or what does that look like for each person? Because a thank you might not mean anything to me, but it might mean something to somebody else and they feel appreciated and valued with those words. Whereas other people, you know, something else motivates them to, you know, hear that thank you or whatever that looks like. It's good. I think to jump on that too, Trudy, is, is knowing your team, right? And the person right. that you're, you're giving your, your acknowledgement to, right? That specificity comes down to who and what you're working with. Yeah, I still stumbled on it. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, when, when you know the team that you're working with and when your team knows you and your style, right? It just mm -hmm. improves that cohesiveness between everybody to know that I could say thank you and leave it flat as that and have half the team go, well, he's not even acknowledging me and the other half going, oh, right on. You know, I, I was seen, yeah. I was heard and I'm, I'm appreciated where, you know, certain individuals definitely need more of a one-on-one -on -one and more of a, you know, a thorough conversation to say, you know, I, I see that you do this. I noticed you were here late, right. And, and checking all the boxes because that's what that person needs to hear rather than just a, you know, even a simple thank you or I acknowledge you staying late or I acknowledge, you know, picking one thing. And needing more of a global understanding, right? And just being familiar with the team. And I agree with that. And I think it brings it back to the personal aspect of it. You can't, you know, you can say, oh, great. Thank you. All did a great job. And some people, like you said, are like, oh, wow, he didn't recognize me. But it, you have to make it personal based on your team and what they need. Some of them might need an email to say, hey, thanks. I appreciate that. Some of them might just be okay with that. Thank you. Again, it's knowing your team. I agree. I worked in a, a corporate environment for, for many years and the accounting team that I was a part of was 25, right? CFO and a whole bunch of us underneath. And, and you could see in the room, right? And this is an individual who didn't understand how, you know, we all communicated differently and he could just have a, a blanket. Thanks everybody for everything you do. And that okay, meeting's done. See you later. And, and you could see the, the reaction in the room to, to exactly that, right? I don't think he saw me. I don't think he saw what I did over the last two weeks to make this project or whatever. Whereas he could send an email doing the same exact same thing. And I'd be like, all right, yeah, perfect. I'm part of the team. And he's acknowledging the whole team had to work together to get this done. We're good to go. Let's continue on. There's a different, is there a difference between, I guess, no, I want to make a point. There's a difference between complimenting and acknowledging. We sometimes are really, well, I keep on saying we, I'm talking for you. I sometimes go straight to the compliment side of things opposed to acknowledging. Compliment is a great job. You know, you did this really well. And I kind of did that with Kevin a bit, but then I went back to acknowledging him for a person that he is. 
place and time for both. But to get that deeper connection, it's the acknowledgement that really makes a difference. And I'm actually going to put a little cheat sheet for you that I've done for coaching clients in the chat window that you guys can use. And it gives you an example of what coaching versus acknowledgement is all about. It actually has a sheet on there for um, a cheat sheet on words for acknowledgement. And I have it on my desk all the time. So the, the, other, the second part of this question I had when we put you into the breakout room was, what are we going to talk about today? Or is this a great topic to talk about? You know, one thing we left off with last week was separating work from home and how to create boundaries um, to keep work from home life and personal life. That might be a fun one to revisit. Well, some of us didn't get to visit last week, so we don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Who wants to fill uh, Trudy in on what we talked about last week? Well, Trudy, I just had mentioned, you know, um, and I don't even remember how the topic came up, but we talked about work and home and how we all answer emails at home and calls at home. And um, and we were talking about, you know, when with COVID, a lot of us had to work from home and it was harder to separate those boundaries when we were working from home. And we found it much easier when we came back to the office. Um, but there are still those that, you know, they tend to answer emails and stuff at home. And I, I just shared that I, on Fridays, I shut down everything here and I don't take any of that home with me as far as the work goes. But the one thing that I did want to kind of bring up is the emotional part of work that I do take home because I do take that home. And I need to figure out a way to separate that and keep that out of my brain and leave it here because it tends to determine how my weekend goes, unfortunately. Yeah, on top of that, Chelsea, we, we spoke a little bit about that, that conversation started from me bringing up a morning routine. What does the morning routine look like for you? Do you go jump straight into work or do you have your own time? And I find that even for myself is when I go straight into work, my day is all about work. The, the day I start with myself and gratitude and exercise, my day goes by really well. Um, Chelsea, you had a really interesting thing about shutting down your emotions because that baggage that we carry from work, fr from home to work and from work to home, there has to be that boundary. Anybody have a good way of segregating those two? So one thing that I do is um, in my life, I prefer to work out first thing in the morning, but I've noticed that if I work out after work before dinner, then there's this time where I'm focused on something else and I'm not thinking about really anything. And so that has been really helpful for me because then when I'm done working out, I shower and then I eat dinner and I feel like my night begins. And like uh, efficiency wise, it is not as good because you have to take the second shower and all that. But um, I feel like that helps me to sort of reset. Um, and I have um, quite a few clients who have started going for a walk after they're done working um, before they start their night. And then we'll sort of decide like, that is my time to ruminate. <laughs> And then when the walk is done, I'm done and I'm starting my night. And I think some sort of, you know, physical activity and um, separation from it would be really helpful. Because if I just tell myself, like, oh, it's time to stop working now. Like, okay, yeah, great. Like, it's time to stop thinking about it. Sure it is. <laughs> um, but if I can't, then it helps me to reset. I think a separation of time is helpful. Uh, wh whatever you're doing, whether it's an activity, exercise, um, you know, just a, de a time for decompression, right? So it's like, here's all the things of work. Maybe you write down, maybe journal. 
you know, uh, maybe put all your thoughts on the piece of paper and say, okay, and I'll pick that up on Monday. And then it's out, kind of out of your head for for now. I don't, I don't have any great answers. To, my brain never shuts off. <laughs> my wife and I have a pretty specific thing about when we get home from work, and I'm always home beforehand, and I'm always kind of starting the evening, getting kids ready, whatever it might be. But we have a pretty specific. When we sit down to the dinner table, that's it. Like the dinner table is not the work table. So if there's anything we need to talk about, what happened? work how you know something what played out how we feel whatever it is that's all done prior to sitting down to supper once we're down for supper that's it like that is that's where we've decided our our drawing line is and that's where it becomes you know what happened in the kids days and what activities are coming up and all the the family life kind of stuff right but if we didn't finish a conversation or need to talk further about something that played out in the day that we could offer some insight or just need to be another ear for we kind of just plan again. Once the kids are gone to bed, we'll, we'll spend, you know, 20 or 30 minutes. What if we didn't get to finish this? Was there anything else you needed to add? And then finish that conversation and then begin the nighttime routine, right? Like it, it was all about being intentional. And that's kind of what kicked off last week with Tracy. What was what, what we did in the morning to make it intentional. Um, and that's something that's had to work in our house because I am guilty as charged. I, I am a slave to my own brain and my brain likes to work. So I take work with me everywhere and I talk about it everywhere, but being at home where my wife is like, nope, we're done. Nope, but, but, but we're not. There's so much more that happened today um, that, that we had to create those times. Yeah. And there's a book I'm looking for that, uh, that I read a little while ago that allows you to create a physicality change to have a mindset shift change. And once I can find it, I'll, I'll share it. Keyword Randall, I think you shared is uh, intentionality, right? That's, I think that's huge. That plays out in lots of areas of our life. This might be one of those that we focus it on. Um, being present, I think, is another really key part of this. You know, it's learning to be present. And if you're present at work, that's fantastic. And since you're in a different environment, you're at home, you're in a social setting or whatever, maybe it's just learning to be present there. Right, which is taking captive a lot of those thoughts that we have, like and putting them aside, shutting off your phone if that uh, if that brings if you got work email notifications that on do not disturb, right? And and taking it one step at a time, right? I mean, for for somebody who's never been present, to to shut it all off and try to be present is as equally as distracting as waiting for all the pings and buzzes from your phone or whatever devices around you, right? You're looking for a reason to, to have a break in conversation or environment or whatever. Whereas if you can, small changes, right? I'm, I'm going to put my phone on silence, right? For the next half hour, whatever, and I'm going to be present in this moment. What you interpret as present and with somebody who's not really understood what being present means you, you may not be meeting at the same place, right? And then building the the habits and being intentional to becoming more present in your conversations and in your environment and, and working with other people. Yeah. Y'all, you've all been in uh, situations where you're talking to somebody at a social gathering or a work, in, you know, work environment. And that person is talking with you, but they're looking around and they're catching everybody else's eye and they're seeing who's walking through the room. And right. That's not being present. They may be talking to you. Some of us it is. I, I will be honest because I am one of those people because I'm hyper aware of, those, of my surroundings and what's coming and going or moving or changing. Uh -huh. But I'm listening to you and I'm fully engaged in the conversation with you. I'm just aware that 
Licky's sending a text, you know, he's typing in there and I can see a head moving at the bottom of the screen, but I'm making contact with you through the screen. I just see all these other things moving around and it helps me actually stay more focused because it just, my awareness is just the whole room or the whole environment. Yeah. Yeah, Randall, I agree with that. One of the things, I'm very much like you as well, but I've also realized my blind spot is others feel I'm not being present. And that's what I need to start working on because just because I can manage that doesn't mean that I'm not being connected to that person. So as I was looking for that book, I knew back in my mind, I'm looking distracted. They're probably thinking I'm not paying attention. All those things are coming up here. So I, but I know I needed to do that, but I acknowledge it as well sometimes. In the chat window, I put down the alter ego. It's an interesting uh, concept he uses. So, for example, uh, when a football player goes on his field to start playing, you know, he snaps that helmet on his head. And that click of that snap is his game face for playing football. I imagine if he always had a game face playing football, even at home, wouldn't work well. So he uses a physicality noise or a function or a change that allows that ego to shift. So, you know, for maybe one of us is would be as we leave the office downstairs in the basement, the t- shutting the laptop off, like physically closing it could be, okay, I'm actually done for the day here and I'm walking up because it's hard, right? When you're in your own environment, that physicality change could be something that, that could help. And doesn't he talk about the altered ego basically? So at work, we have the boss ego or the employee ego or whatever we're doing. And then we'd switch gears and now it's the dad ego or the mom ego. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So we have to switch roles because we all operate in multiple roles. Yeah. I, hey, I've been told that's not being a coach all the time because that's who I am. Right. And, you know, I, I try and shut it off, but it's kind of there. But then I physically have to. Remember to shut that off because I'm not a coach at home. I can't be. You know, another great resource is um, Laura Vanderkam, who writes about time management. And she really focuses her writing on women and mothers particularly, but it applies to everybody. And she writes a lot about, you know, the fact that there are only so many days where there's fresh snow and your kids are six. Right? And there are only so many days when you can have a conversation with a work colleague where, you know, you're driving to the Albuquerque airport um, and you're having this experience together. And I think that can be helpful too to think through. So it's not just I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this, but it kind of gets you to focus more on what you have in front of you. One thing that I do is I actually keep a um, a post-it note running every day on my desk. So the random things I think of, like that, I got to grab that book so I can give a recommendation. I just write it down. So because otherwise, I, I get so distracted by the stuff in my head that I can't focus. And so by writing it down, it's like what Kevin referred to earlier, where it's out of my head, and then I really can focus. Um, and be more present. So that those these stupid post-its I have on my desk help me every day. Yeah. As you said that, Amy, you know, it comes to my mind is uh, we have, we only have one life and we can choose every moment of that life to be the way we want to be. And the last thing you want to do is regret a moment because you just weren't present or you didn't give in or what mattered the most. Like nothing else in life matters than the connection and your family and people around you. But sometimes we forget that because we're so focused on that goal that we have to hit, that job that has to get finished and whatever else. All that only happens really well when you're connected, when you're giving in. So, so Amy, here's to you. I have a post-it as well. And this is what I wrote down today. 
anybody want to hear it? Yes. Yeah, One is disconnect from a lot of input. In other words, them at my intake. Something that I learned at a conference last week was to stop, drop, and slow down. And then rather than asking people, you know, how are you? Tell me something good. So you're getting more, more feedback, a little bit more. Love it. That's awesome, Tim. Thanks for sharing. You know, I want to, I want to jump on your, how are you comment? Because I do, I use that and I listen to people. Oh, I'm busy. I'm this, the kids, that, whatever. And then I like to re-ask, no, no, I didn't ask what you're doing today in your life and what brought you to this point in your day. I asked, how are you? Right. And I usually, you know, people, what, what the hell did you stop? No, I just told you how I am. No, no. You told me how busy you were and I'm not glorifying that. And that's not what I asked you. I asked, how are you? Right. So I just, like, I just kind of keep rephrasing it enough to like, oh, you want to know something about me? Yeah. Yeah, I do. And so I do like to use, how are you? And I like to hear what people's initial responses are. And then I like to just come back to, no, no, that's not what I asked. I asked, how are you? Are you well? Are you healthy? Do you need a break? Do you need a shoulder? Do we need a coffee? Right? Like, how are you? I think to add on to that, though, the how are you, you know, a lot of times people use that, but they don't care about your answer. So, you know, Tim and I attended the same conference last week. And the tell me something good brings out the positive of something that's going on. It, to it, it makes you look for that joy or that gratitude or something good that's happened because you can walk down the call, hallway and someone says, how are you? And you're like, oh, great. And knowing, yeah, I suck today. This day sucks. You're not going to tell that person walking down the hall. Oh, yeah, here's my life story because they, they don't have the time. They don't care. Or you feel that way. That could be just me. But when you hear the tell me something good, it does feel that this person is interested, you know, and that gratitude for that day. I love that. I love that. I, uh, I'm going to add on to what Tim and Randall are talking about, about the how are you side of things. Um, what about martyrism that comes into play? Oh, I've been up since four in the morning. I couldn't sleep last night. Oh, man, I am exhausted. You know any of those people? I worked with someone who was kind of a jerk about it but it was really effective he would just say <laughs> and I, I did a big law firm where like this is a badge of honor right that you had so little sleep and he would look you in the eye and say wow sounds like you need to get on top of your time or he would say huh what happened that was unforeseen and it was like a total jerk move and completely correct right because sometimes there are things that are unforeseen but like when you work in a big law firm you know the night before filing is going to be a disaster so why weren't you prepared and so I think that can be a really helpful way to turn it around and be like, huh, you know, maybe you should work on that. Yeah. Uh, Amy, I've never heard of that, that approach. Because every time I talk about this, it's like, do you buy into that? And do you feel that more? Or do you just say, okay, great, now I'm going to move on? Because it's hard. Because when you're working in teams, and as Amy, you work with teams as well, this happens a lot in an organization. And there's that one or two people in the organization who just keep on feeling that. And do you manage that yourself or do you feel, feel it more? And I don't, you know, I like your approach for sure. Is it possible you think that the folks who are wanting to be the martyr, you know, they're, they're, they're saying what they're saying and doing all these things that you think that there's a, a cry to be seen in all of that, right? I and mean, Kevin, I bring this up because uh, that was me. 
it was, I, I've been up since six in the morning. How come you guys haven't responded to my emails? That was me when I had my IT company eight years ago. And then my coach didn't tell me I was a martyr. He just brought up the conversation about martyrism in one of our sessions. And all of a sudden, oh, he's talking about me. And that's exactly what it was. It was the cry for help, cry for attention. It was like, nobody sees me. Like, I'm, I'm here working hard. How come you guys aren't seeing me? So, yeah, you've hit it on the point, Kevin. That's exactly what it is. Which, if you think about it, we can keep that in the forefront of our thinking. It could change the dynamic of our relationships, right? Rather than that person rubbing us and causing us to cringe. Oh, my gosh. Here comes George again. Drama George, right? It's more like George isn't feeling seen. Maybe I can figure out how to see George. Mm -hmm. Really learn to get George, right? And I agree with that. And I think this also goes back to knowing your team and how to approach them. Do they need a little empathy this morning or do they just need the, hey, this is what I need? You know, know their personalities and their styles because I'm the person who. Hey, I want to get here, start working, get to the point. This is me where you have other people on your team that want to stop and have the chit chat. How was your night? How was your evening? What did you have for dinner? And some people, you know, you just have to be able to understand personalities and know how to approach those people. You know, you have a person, hey, tell me something good. It kind of might get them out of that funk, whereas other people, they can just move forward and, you know, OK, good. I'm great. Move on. Kevin, I got a new I got a great business idea for us. You know, the five languages yeah. of love, the eight, langu eight languages of blind spots. <laughs> Wait a minute. Isn't that what we're doing? <laughs> Don't tell them that. It's a business idea. A whole new vocabulary around blind spots. Exactly. Yeah, I, 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 I really wish this blind spot thing that we're dealing with right now was available to me eight years ago. Mm -hmm. That two years of coaching and therapy would have just not needed. Like this would have just said, there it is. There's your blind spot. Move on. Oh, yeah. I wish I would have known my 20s, what I know now. But that is why WC Fields says that youth is wasted on the young. Yeah, he told you that. I guess uh, if I would have known that, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. True. Yeah. But then the other proverb comes to mind uh, you know, and when the uh, student is ready, the teacher appears. Right. I wasn't ready in my 20s. No. No, there is a, uh, I just saw a video and I was trying to clip it to show it to you, but I, uh, for some reason, Facebook, I couldn't clip it, but it's a, it's a guy walking, uh, in a dirt road with on one side, carrying five bags of concrete and on the other side, carrying a wheelbarrow, right? And then somebody sees him, he stops him, takes the wheelbarrow, puts it on the ground, takes the five concrete bags and puts it on the wheelbarrow and says, there you go. The other guy picks up the wheelbarrow and the five bags and starts carrying it. How many of us try to do that, to do that, help people, but they're just not ready for it. They just want to see it their way. And it's their journey. And we, I mean, one of the things I've learned is it's not my journey, it's their journey. My journey is just to be able to just communicate. And when they're ready for it, they'll be ready for it. And maybe they won't be. That's on them. I think sometimes we, we jump to the mode of wanting to say something, wanting to focus on somebody's blind spots, when in fact we might want to consider focusing on getting them seen, you know, focus on getting and understanding them so that they feel seen. And I think, and I'm just going to throw this out as a 
as a thought, as an idea. But I think maybe the more somebody feels seen, the more open and receptive they would be to then hearing about their blind spots. And I agree yeah. with that. I think one of the things that, I don't know about you guys, but at least I struggle with is being your own cheerleader. So you have to be able to say, hey, I did this great. I did this. So other people then can see you because a lot of times, at least in our profession, that we work behind the scenes and we do great things. But if we don't cheerlead for ourselves and promote ourselves, no one sees what we do for the organization. That's interesting. I, uh, probably five minutes ago, had this thought run through my head and I hadn't really processed it. But, you know, I guess we'll flesh this out now, whether it's a valid thought, which is that, you know, how can you see others if you can't see yourself? It's the Plato concept of know thyself, right? It's this whole concept of self-awareness. So how can you really, truly see somebody else if you don't really see yourself? You don't know who you are. You don't value who you are. But I think it goes back to, you know, like everything in life, you have to be able to take care of yourself first. You know, it's just like when you're on an airplane, if the oxygen bag comes down, you have to put it on yourself before you can somebody else. So, you know, I think that being able to recognize what you can do well makes it to where you can recognize other people. Good. Uh, I'm going to ask uh, Tracy and your team. You're back into the office now, majority of the times, correct? And this acknowledgement and appreciation and compliments out of things, is that something that's a normal occurrence for your team? Or that, would this be totally looked upon like this is totally new? We want to do this, but we don't know how. And I'm just doing some research here to see how our teams are actually functioning right now. Then do you find that the word thank you gets overused sometimes because it's just over and over said, as opposed to really getting deeper into the acknowledgement and the compliment of the specific person. And I can say in our organization, it's the exact opposite. I've been here five and a half years and probably heard the word thank you four times, five times. So on our side, does not happen at all. Hmm. Who, do, uh, who do Licky and I need to contact? Yeah, I was going to say... <laughs> Kevin, uh, let's let's reach out to you at your training there. Yeah, uh, but Trudy, I, so this is interesting. Um, you're realizing that today. I, I'm sure you've seen that before as well. What can you do about that? Oh, I, I've done a lot about that. The people that I work with, I definitely compliment them. I mentored um, a couple people, and you know, let them know, hey, you're doing this great. You know, here's where we can improve. How can I help you? Offer that. Um, I had a manager previously who, again, and I said this earlier, as a manager, you're only as good as your team. And so if your team doesn't feel appreciated, they're not going to, you know, go to the extra effort or help you when that need arises. So you have to take care of your team. And un unfortunately, you know, it's just the environment here, but um, that that's the way it is. So I try to make up for that with the team, whereas management does uh, Amy, maybe just pipe in here for a second, but here's what, what I, uh, what we've done when we go into organizations where the management isn't getting it, but this is important. We work with the employees and I use the words, kill them with kindness. Just go back to the management and just keep on giving it to them. Like appreciate because the people that don't give kindness are the ones who need it the most. First of all, that's one thing I've learned. 
and start giving it the other way and see what happens. Um, Amy, have you experienced that at all? Oh, yeah. I was actually just looking it up. There's an assessment you can do. It's called the five appreciations. I'm trying to make sure I had the right name. It's like the five appreciations of a team assessment. Um, it, it's only like, I want to say like 12 bucks a person. And you don't have to have an ass- uh, any certification to, to do it. And basically what it comes back and tells you is, does this person want oral praise? Do they want gifts? Like, do they want money? What is going to matter to them? I think that that can be really helpful to just get a baseline. And you can have a conversation about it, but I think it's a little bit more scientific um, than just asking people. And I think, you know, to some people hearing thank you, like whoopity ding dong, like I would like to go home. Um, and that, so if you just say thank you, they're not going to appreciate it, right? If you have a special thank you event at a barbecue, some people would be thrilled and other people would be like, my God, it's three o'clock on Friday. Why can't I be at home where I'd rather be than, you know, standing around getting barbecue sauce myself? Um, and so I think getting figuring out that what individuals want is really important. I have uh, a client who just got a hundred and forty thousand dollar raise, and he got that raise because I helped him. And like he wrote me this really long thing explaining how I had been so important to his success. And I was sharing that with a friend who's a coach, and she was like, "Well, did he give you a present?" And he did. He sent me this little like figurine thing. And um, the other coach was like, "Well, I would just double his rates next time." So to that person, the money was really important. To me, I was thrilled with this figurine and this really nice note, right? Um, and I think, you know, just appreciating that different people are going to feel appreciated in different ways and meeting them where they are and giving them what they need will get you farther. Because 50 bucks to one person is going to give them, have them doing backflips and working extra hard for a month. And 50 bucks to another person, like, great, that was my pizza for the day. And that's why reward programs that are one size fits all don't work. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, people can be really well-intentioned, but it just doesn't get you where you want to be unless you know what people actually want. How are they going to respond? Well, Amy, that sounds like you think about it. Can you put that link in the uh, chat for everybody? Yeah. Amy, it sounds like this is from this book, The Five Languages of Love. That assessment kind of seems like... I think it's pretty pretty similar, but I think it's from the... um, can you remember because oh here i think it's appreciation at work there it is job personality test i think this is right yes this is it um i'll, I'll put it in here in the chat it's interesting you say that because it's you know if you're speaking the wrong long wrong language the other people just aren't hearing you like it's physically you know spanish versus english or german versus english and people just aren't hearing you and you're trying to keep, keep on speaking in it and they're like yeah, whatever, whatever. Give me a translation. We need to understand what the other person's needs are and understand where they're coming from. And it's upon us, first of all, first of all, we need to find out what we need. And um, I find that the more vulnerable we are in expressing what we need, the people around you, if they get it, they should deliver that and then be the same way. That's when a cohesive team starts happening. So I know, Liggy, uh, you were right. That uh, link Amy just sent, that is another way of looking at five love languages. Gary Chapman's involved in that. Ah, there you go. Okay. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a corporate version of the five love, love languages. Yeah, there, he's got a whole series of stuff going on around the five love languages. We should maybe tell him to take a look at the blind spot assessment. <laughs> he might need it. Got a couple minutes left. Any last thoughts? Not a good question, I like, I like this 
format because it's small and you can have these discussions about real life experiences rather than, you know, making up things. But we've all gone through things so we can draw on that experience to give feedback. Okay. Barry says, my takeaway today, take the time to acknowledge and appreciate someone today and every day. Hey, I love that. This is like a, this is like a, a live conference session where everybody writes that thing and it says out loud at the end, it's, okay, what's your one takeaway? So how about we end this today like that? Want everybody uh, go into your chat menu or chat function and uh, put down what your one takeaway for today is. All right, everybody. Hey, it's been great. Another BS Thursdays, uh, BS Breakthrough Thursdays. Uh, we got to get into the habit of saying, because that's what we do. We look to break through those invisible barriers that hold us back from being all that we can be. We learn to think better, be better, and do better. And that's all. That's what we're all about on BS Thursday. So come join us every Thursday or any Thursday that you're available to join us. We'd love to have you. Bring your friends, and we'll see you next week. So until then, make it a great week, everybody. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Awareness Advantage podcast brought to you weekly by the leadership team at Blind Spots Global, a multinational, multicultural leadership development organization specializing in transforming managers who are good at getting stuff done into great leaders who can influence and inspire others to achieve their best. If you have not yet subscribed, please do so now so you will never miss an episode. If you would like to join our live virtual studio audience and participate in the conversations, visit us at blindspots.vip forward slash audience. That's blindspots.vip forward slash audience. We hope to see you there.